Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. Oh, you were just so full of roses. <laughs> oh, Jesus. No. Oh, your students are watching, so I'm going to restrain myself right now. But there was a person who was in Lady Raquel's life, and she did everything she could to take her down, spread every lie possible, bad, horrible things. And Lady Raquel was like, you know, I wanted to kind of get in my flesh. I wanted to tell her about herself, and I want to go toe-to-toe. See, Lady Raquel does have that side. She's just, she's restrained it. <laughs> she's done a really good job. But on that day, people were going to understand that she was born in Detroit <laughs> and grew up in Jacksonville. They were going to understand that. But the Holy Ghost got a hold of her. Don't do it. And so she did it. And she told the person, you know what? I forgive you. And they responded, because we didn't know they had mental issues. We found that out later. They said, if you responded like I thought you were going to, they listed all the things that she wanted to do. She said, well, I was going to take this poison and kill myself. But because she had a relationship with God and actually listened to the Holy Ghost without her flesh, this lady was able to get the help she needed. So there are some things going on in your life, and you think it's you, but it's actually not about you. It's because you walk with God. That there are things going around. It's not even necessarily persecution. It's just drama around you because you walk with God. So don't take it personal. Just know things are going to happen because you walk with God. Remember when Jesus would walk into cities, demons would cry out. They sensed him. So people may start acting cuckoo around you when you walk into the room. Don't take it personal. Just know you have a relationship with God. We can't take so many things personal. We can't be so thin-skinned. One of the things, you know, one of the people who trained me in ministry, and you know, I've heard it throughout the decades, is, you know, in ministry you have to have a skin and hide as tough as a rhinoceros, but a heart soft as anything can be. But what happens, people go through so much that their skin becomes thin and the heart becomes tough. But you have to make sure that's not you. You have to make sure your skin is tough, that things can't just bother you so easily, but your heart's still sensitive to the leading of the Holy Ghost. It's an art to do so. So the thing is, I like how Brother Jesse phrased it. He says, you cannot offend me. It's impossible. You can hurt my feelings, but you can't offend me. Because offense is a choice. Being offended is a choice. Offense may come. Jesus said, they're coming. Woe to who brings them, but it's coming. But being offended and staying offended is your choice. You must deal with the offense in your life. You must deal with the strife in your life. You must deal with the anger in your life if you expect to increase in the blessing. Because you have to understand, God can't always take you to the places you want to take you to if you're always whining and complaining, always in your feelings. Some of you get in your feelings so much, Drake can write a song about you. Like Drake and Taylor Swift, they can do a collab about your emotions. You can't stay in your feelings. It's time for us as the body of Christ to grow up, speaking the truth of love, growing and maturing. We can't be so emotional. God has given us emotions. We're supposed to have emotions, but our emotions are not supposed to have us. That if we actually expect to walk in the fullness of the promise, how the whole earth belongs to us, we can't be just emotional. Because the thing is, the whole earth belongs to you, so the whole world is programmed to respond to your mouth. The world was created by words. So this whole system is meant to respond to words. But the level of authority and dominion and your anointing you walk in is up to your mouth. And so the thing is, out of mercy, God can't turn the power all the way up on your life because you get upset on 20 or 285 and cut somebody out. That if you actually said it and you condemned them by speaking damnation to them, then the ground would open up 
swallow that car and hellfire erupt. But you want power when you lay hands on somebody. You want power when you speak to the coronavirus. You want power when you speak to demons, but you can't watch your mouth on 285. That if you actually want to walk in authority and power, you got to watch your mouth. This whole world was framed by the Word of God. It's meant to respond to words. So if you don't like what you see in your life today, go back to what you've been saying yesterday and the days before. Because it's not as important what people speak over you as about what you agree with and say yourself. You say, oh, witches and warlock. If you say no, what they say can't work against you. But what happens when you begin to agree with the words of witches and warlocks and begin to agree with words of people who spoke bad things about you when you were a child and all these other things parents or grandparents, other people may have said about you, you give those words power. You need to stop agreeing with the devil. They cannot curse whom God has blessed. But if the blessed agree with the curse, they will walk in the curse. You have to watch your mouth. You can't just accept it because someone said it. Oh, coronavirus, you're going to get it. Not me. It's not allowed in my house. Yes, we, as you heard someone was on Sunday, we'll do all the natural things, take all the natural stuff, but I've already talked to it. And what I'm doing, not just in my house, I'm extending my authority, and I'm talking about what it can and cannot do in my state. This is my state. This is my city. So I'm talking against it. I'm not in agreement with the news. I'm not in agreement. I haven't listened to the statement. I don't get political in this pulpit. You know, people don't like me because I, they don't know who I support. They say I support everybody. They say, oh, he's on this side of the aisle. He's on this side of the aisle. They don't know. There are people who left the church because I wasn't sold for a candidate they wanted me before. I ain't going to do that. But... There was something the president said that I'm complete in agreement with, complete agreement with. He said, I'm believing for a miracle. I'm believing for the coronavirus to disappear just like that. I was like, I agree with the president of the United States. I exercise my right as the prayer of agreement. I agree that thing needs to disappear overnight. Why? I'm keeping my mouth right. Everybody else can run their mouth, but I want to walk in power. I want the power of God. I want principalities to back up when I say something. Not because, oh, he said it in church, but when he gets to the car, he's going to say something different. See, one of the other things is just resist the devil and he flees. It's not just a moment. Sometimes it's a process. Because Satan knows if you're going to back away from your faith confession because he's watched you. Not because he's all-knowing. He's watched you. So they may say it at church, but eh, give them to tomorrow. You have to keep saying the words of God. So, and Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was strife, so offense had grown, between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt in then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, wise man. I pray thee between me and you, and between my herdmen and your herdmen, for we are brethren, we are family. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself. I pray thee from me, if you will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you come into Zoar. Then Lot chose them all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. And Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now, think about this. Did Abraham love Lot? Dearly, he took him with him. He felt responsible. So imagine the emotions Abraham went through to tell Lot, you need to leave me. Separate yourself from me. Sometimes you have to have the tough conversations if you walk in the full blessing of God. There are some things you have to cut out your life. Doesn't mean they're sin. Doesn't mean, you know, some relationships you need. Doesn't mean they're bad people or evil people. 
It's just not what's supposed to be in your life right now. There are tough calls, tough decisions. But if you really want to do what the Holy Ghost has for you, you have to remove the lots from your life. You don't need to be talking to some people every day. You don't need to be looking at their social media every day. You know, there's a blessing called the unfollow ministry. <laughs> there are people that I won't unfriend. It's like, you know what? I just need a break from your drama. Unfollow. And then Facebook has a, like a testing. You can snooze for 30 days. And that's like, man, my feet was full of peace. You know what? Let's just hit unfollow. So if they need to reach out, they can still reach out except pray for them, but unfollow. Are there some things you need to unfollow? Some things you need to separate yourself from that's keeping you from walking in the fullness of what God has for you. And don't say, well, see, pastor told me to divorce my spouse. I did not say it. Do not lie on me. I have it on online. They know I didn't say that. But maybe you need to separate from yourselves from someone who's always talking bad about your spouse. Someone who always agree with the worst in your spouse. And see, one of the things I have some brothers I have a really close covenant relationships with, and we have this agreement. So anytime we may have a disagreement with our spouses and we talk to each other, we have agreed we were always on our wife's side. So for him, I'm always on his wife's side. He's always on my wife's side. Why? We're always pushing ourselves towards the marriage union. Never having someone who agrees with it being destroyed. So you need to watch who you talk to, who you vent to. And the thing is, some of you just keep venting. You just say, I just got to let it out. I got to let it out. But have you ever thought what you're letting in while you let it out? Some of you are tormented because you keep just talking. I just got to get it off my chest. And you're saying all these words of doubt, unbelief, and fear, and all the things of the enemy. As you keep pouring it out, you've opened yourself for the enemy to come in. Not everything needs to be said. Some things do need to be said. Some conversations do need to be had. Some counseling does need to happen. Some therapy does need to happen. But that doesn't need to be your words every single day. Because you have to understand, the enemy is very legalistic, and he will act on your words. Watch your mouth. So many people look at the big things that open the doors of the enemy, and they don't look at their mouth. Verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, some of you just going to have a good time in God when you finally let Lot go home. Because I can rename this message after Lot was separated. Lift up now your eyes and look from the place we are north, south, east, west. For all the land which you see, to you I will give it and to your seed forever. And I will make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, they sh then shall your seed also be numbered. Arise, get up, rise up, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it to you. So God reminds Abraham of his promise, and he gives him a vision of the future. But that vision couldn't have been received until he let Lot go home. Could your vision still be impaired because you've kept lot with you? Is there a lot in your life that you need to let go so that you can have full vision in 2020? So that you can see the restoration? What do you hold it on to that you don't need to hold on to? And some things you have to understand, some things are for seasons. Some relationships are seasonal. Some jobs are seasonal. Some assignments are seasonal. And when the season ends, you got to move on. Because if you stay longer, you'll be frustrated. And you start making up your own doctrine, your own theology, while it's not working out in your life. And maybe you just didn't move in the season. I'm sure it's uncomfortable wearing winter clothes in the summer. I'm sure it's uncomfortable wearing a bathing suit in zero-degree weather in the winter. But if you don't dress for the season, you're going to have issues. Are you dressed for your current season? As you heard me talk about on Sunday, a couple Sundays ago, this is a season of innovation. If you don't leave the brook, you're going to get left behind. 
So are you still dressed for a former season? Have you adapted? Have you grown up spiritually? There are actually spiritual clothes. There are actually clothes in the spirit that identify your rank, not before God, but before the angels and before the demons. But if you don't move on with your season and do what God's called you to do, you won't be robed appropriately in the spirit. You have to watch your mouth. You have to separate from lots. And you have to make a decision to go forward. Now go to Genesis 17. Just talk from my spirit tonight. Helping anybody? Genesis 17. Actually, we'll do chapter 18. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of memory, and he sat on the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, pass not away, I pray thee from your servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And he says, Hey, I'll get you this food. I'll get you some snacks. Hey, Sarah, go ahead. Go make this. What is this? This is an appearance of God under the Old Testament. God himself was before him as well as two angelic beings. And he recognized this is an appearance of God. And so notice something. Unless Abraham ran out to meet them, they would have kept walking by. So there are some things you'll miss if you don't grab it with your faith. There's some things you miss if you're not hungry for it. Because those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. He pours his spirit on the thirsty. So you have to hunger and thirst after the things of God. You know, if you're hungry enough, you're willing to put other stuff aside to eat. You make time. Some of you make time to eat several times a day. Some of you two. Some of you three. Some of you five. Seven. Eight. Nine. And some of you eat and you don't even realize you're eating. You got your snacks by you and you're like, where did the bag go? Who took my food? It was you. But you do what you need to do to eat. How much do you want the things of God? How hungry, how hungry and thirsty are you for the things of God? Will you even snack on the word? You know, one time I was talking to my wife, we were driving home from something, and she says, you know, it's funny that people will binge watch Netflix and all this other stuff, but they won't binge on the Word. And you got to think, some of you, you know, Wednesday night crowd, better than some. You come to church about twice a week. So at least you get two good meals a week. But how many of you could survive off of two meals a week? Mm-mm. And if you expect to progress spiritually, you need to eat more. And if you're going through something, you need to increase your eating. Not just do what you did yesterday. Well, yesterday was good, but yesterday gone. You have to get before God every day. You need to get in the Word every day. You need to read the Word every day. As you always hear me say, you should listen to a message a day. That's why we've done everything we have done with Faith Plus and put all the messages out there so you can keep building your faith. And then I've contacted all these people across America and other places around the world. Say, hey, I want you to send me your messages. Why? So people can grow. We're into a generation that doesn't even know the basic principles of faith. And some of you have been around for a long time, and you remember some of the great faith teachers of yesteryear. They've moved to heaven decades ago. And so now you have a whole generation that doesn't know anything about it. Nothing about it. Not at all. And Jesus said, when I come back, will I find what on the earth? Notice he didn't say love, even though he expects to see love in his people. Notice he didn't see hope. He didn't even say pray in the Holy Ghost, but he expects that. Will I find faith? So that lets you know one of the attacks of the enemy at the very end is to make the people of God back down from faith. Do whatever he can to get you into doubt, unbelief, and fear. You have to understand, yes, there are very natural and scientific things connected with the coronavirus, but still remember, it's inspired by Satan. 
sickness and disease of his kingdom, however it got created. It could have been created by natural ways or whatever it happened. Who do you think is helping it spread? And notice what goes before the virus. Fear. People up in arms and afraid. Fear has opened the door to so many things. That's what opened to the door to the destruction of Job's life. He was afraid. We go through in this nation cycles of fear. There's always something we're afraid about as Americans. Come on. We were afraid about Y2K. And what would happen when the computers changed? All this fear. And do you know what came after that great open door fear? One of the worst terrorist attacks in American history. Economic crashes. Seasons of judgment. It's not just connected to fear alone, it's also connected to things before and decades past. But you can't look at those things without looking at the open door fear. So I'm not telling you not to do things smart and wash, please wash your hands. That's just nasty, wash your hands. Not even wash your hands. Wash your hands. Not just, I'm good, no. Like I have to stand over, you know, washing hands with my three. Oh, nope, let's keep them front, back, in between. That's okay. Come on, do the natural things. I'm not saying don't do the natural things. I'm saying you put a check on that fear. So back to the story here. Abraham runs to Sarah and said, hey, make this meal. And you know, this, has, this is like a random side note. Sarah must have been a pretty good cook because God ate Sarah's food. He could have said, mm, nope, I know her. She don't wash her hands before she cook. I ain't doing that. Because <laughs> some of you don't eat everybody's cooking. Some of you have great concerns about company potlucks. Because you're like, I haven't seen your house. Did you prepare this in a bathtub? Is there a cat walking on your counter? <laughs> There's some things I just don't know. <laughs> And so you politely might decline, like, oh, you know, we do it very Southern. God bless your heart. <laughs> oh, sweetheart. And you find a way to get out of eating it. But anywho, God ate Sarah's food. So as it goes on, <laughs> the Lord and his angels are about to leave. And then he brings up something. Because they rose up, began to walk away, and Abraham's walking with them. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children, his household, after him. That's one of the reasons God chose Abraham. So why did God pick Abraham? Because he would teach his kids what God taught him. You have to understand, God wants generational progression. He wants your children to go further than you. We need to get out of the crab bucket mentality. That because I had to go through this, and it made me stronger, my children, who is you? No, yours to be what your children can stand on so they can go further, so they can increase. You're setting up for future generations. So if Jesus tarries, they go further than you. Then their children go further than them. Then their children go further than them. You want to set up for generational blessings, not generational limitations. Some people, it's not even a problem with generational curses, generational patterns. So he says, shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he'll command his children his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he's spoken of him. So God says, I know I'll be able to fulfill my promise to Abraham because he's going to do what I said. He's going to live in such a way and teach his kids in a certain way that his actions are not going to fight against my promise. See, the thing is, God is trying to bless so many of you, but you're fighting the blessing. And you think God's mad at you? No. 
You know, there's a Hebrew word called hased, which is covenant love. We translate in the King James as mercy or loving kindness. And so what it pictures is God is determined to bless you. You have a covenant with God. He's, he wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. But sometimes he's not fighting through the enemy. He's not fighting through people. He's fighting through you. He's like, let me bless you. No. I want to sleep with them. Let me bless you. Nope, I like my weed too much. No, let me bless you. No, I, you know, I like being in offense too much. Let me bless you. No, no, and it's not that God doesn't want it. You're just blocking it. You, some, you know, may, there's some sports teams in Atlanta that could probably use your help with your blocking skills. <laughs> All throughout the nation, some of y'all could be hired and paid big money if you would block on the court, on the field, like you block the blessings of God. And it's not because God doesn't love you. It's not because God's not determined to bless you. It's that you're doing all the things to block the blessing. And then he's like, oh, I did all these bad things, so let me do a whole bunch of good things to get God to like me. So now you're living by your performance and trying to adhere to the law, and you've left faith completely. Because you still think it's your actions that gets God to like you. He already loves you. Nothing you can do can change his love for you. But you must have faith in his love. And then you live by this faith. So what about my actions? So I can be ratchet? No. We're still called to be holy in 2020. So I'm not living holy to get God to like me. I'm not living holy to get God to love me. It just makes sense because Jesus went through all he went through came down to earth for me, grew up on this earth for me, was beaten and tortured till he did not look like a man for me, died on the cross for me, poured out all his blood for me, went to hell for three days for me, and got up again for me, and ascended to heaven for me, and ever lives to make intercession for me at the throne of God. Then it just makes sense. I should do all I can to live in a way that he likes. Or what well, the King James says, that pleases him. So I'm not doing it in a way to get him to like me or love me. Our focus has to be, we do this because we love him. That's the attitude of faith. It's not because the Bible has a list of rules we follow. We follow the rules because he loves us. Man, if you really love someone, do you want to do things that hurt their heart? If you really love someone, you can do things that they really just don't like? No, this is out of love. This is out of faith. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go, now, go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me, and if not, I will know. So what's going to happen is Sodom and Gomorrah is about to have a visitation, and visitations precede judgment. That although this is a time of grace and a time of love, judgment is still on the earth. What is judgment? It's another word for harvest. What you sow, you will reap. It's not karma. Before people ever started saying the word karma, there was a scripture in Genesis. Seed, time, and harvest. Harvest and judgment are the same side of the same coin. And so Sodom and Gomorrah had been doing a lot of things for a long period of time. And a harvest was about to come. Judgment was about to come. It was a very violent people, a very proud people, a very gluttonous people, a very immoral people. There's a lot of things that they did. And so judgment's about to come. And you know the judgment is right, it's holy, because God said, I'm about to go make sure. But notice what happens. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Most people say, oh, well, God, have a good day, you know. Send me a postcard. But he stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, will you? Imagine, he's talking to God. Will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? 
you got to think, who are you to talk to God like that? Bruh, you are a dab of dirt. And by this time, an old bag of dirt. Who are you to think you could talk to God that way? But why, why did Abraham feel comfortable enough to talk to God like that? They were friends. That's more than just relationship. That's a covenant term. Abraham knew he had a covenant with him. But also remember, we said when God blessed Abraham, he gave him the world. So judgment's about to fall on his territory. So he has a right to say something about it because it's his. The heavens, even the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he's given to who? Children of men. And so he says, if there are 50 righteous people in the city, will you destroy? He says, no, not for the 50. Why? Because the 50 righteous were there? Not just because of that, because Abraham said something. So Abraham keeps going down to 10. 10 people. These weren't small cities. These were two large metropolitan area and all their small cities. And Abraham said, there's got to be at least 10 people that do right. 10 people that live right. But there wasn't. But notice how he interceded on behalf of the lost. If we really believe the world belongs to us, and it does, we have to intercede like it does. That if we really believe the state belongs to us, then we have to pray for the state like it does. We have to pray for the lost. Not saying, yep, I want to get, let them get their justice or zap them, Jesus. Let a lightning bolt come down from on high and make them a crispy critter. No. This is our territory. Father, I lift up the lost to you. Man, those who are doing this, man, those who are doing that, man, they're far away from you. Some may have never heard the gospel. I ask that you give them more time to repent. Give them more time. And if you pray this way, spend time praying in the Spirit this way, and get before God that way, there are people who are about to get caught up in their own drama and their own destruction because they created all these situations. But it all of a sudden, it can't hit them. And it's not because they're doing right. It's because you got before God and said, hold back their judgment because I asked. It will give them more time to repent. Have you ever thought about people? It's like, you know, a long time ago, their foolishness should have killed them. You was like, I don't even know how you're walking around. You did so many drugs. You smoked so many things. You, did, you had so many diseases. I don't know how you're still moving on this planet. I guarantee you somebody alive or a great-great-grandma got before God and said something. How many of you are still alive after all the foolishness you may have done? And you surprised some things haven't caught up with you. Some of you don't even tell your full testimony because the statute of limitations hasn't run out yet. <laughs> and you waited for a certain year to tell people everything you went through before God got you. And so you're being wise. I can't talk about it right now, but in 2025, 2035, I got you. But yet you're still here. You're still here. Somebody got before God on your behalf. Someone began to pray. Someone began to intercede. Someone began to supplicate. Somebody began to plead the blood. Somebody began to rebuke hell. Somebody began to pray in the Holy Ghost and got you more time. That although the judgment was on its way, the destroyer was on his way, but the destroyer was held back by God because a church prayed. We have to have that same mentality, not just the people who are on the prayer team. You say, ooh, yep, they're anointed to pray. Why don't you become anointed to pray? Well, they're called to pray. Everybody is called to pray. That's why we're having a special prayer meeting on Friday night, so you should be here right at 8 p.m. But we got to pray like we own this planet, because we do. You got to pray for the laws like they live in your territory. You need to rule well. This is your area. Why are you letting your subjects go to hell? This is your area. Why are you letting them go into the darkness and you're not saying something about it? You're not praying for them. You're not getting before God for them. You're not doing what it takes to at least give somebody a chance. 
every chance possible that if the sinner must go to hell, let them go jumping over a praying church, holding on to their legs. If they must perish, let them not go to unpreached and unprayed for. If they must perish, let the church do everything it can to keep them from going to hell. We have to act that way if we really believe this gospel. And the way you start there is by praying for the lost. Now, you can have this passion and still blow it up. So I'm going to add some wisdom to this. You can have this passion. Yep, I don't want to go to hell. And you stand on the street corner and start pointing at people. You going to hell, you going to hell, you going to hell. You are going to burn. And nobody's going to listen to you. Because although you are zealous, you got no knowledge. So you have to ask the Holy Ghost, who am I supposed to talk to about this today? And what am I supposed to say? And go from there. We have to be a church that's actively reaching out to people and telling people about Jesus and bringing them to church. You know, there was, used to be a rap we did at this church way back in the day about Get Your 12, and I'm not about to reperform that rap. I only rap for the Team Faith Appreciation. That's about it. But you shouldn't need a rap to go get your 12. Go get them. And once you get to 12, go get 24. Think about it this way. I know it's midweek and it's traffic, so a lot of people, not a lot of people will be here. We have tons of people watching online. But think about this today or on a Sunday, that seat next to you. It matters. Who should be in that seat but is out in the world right now? Because you didn't invite them. The seat. Who could be here? Who could be there? What if, what if, what if there's this Mother, she's got a lot of kids and she's struggling. She's considering suicide. She's depressed. She's trying to do the best she can. But you talked to her. You met her. But you never invited her to church. And she could be sitting right there tonight. Just what if, what if there's this guy who's doing all he can, but he's struggling with an addiction. He's an alcoholic. But we believe in a Jesus who can deliver the alcoholic and give them new livers. But you never invited them and he could be sitting right here. Who's supposed to be in the seat next to you? Who have you seen on the street? Who have you passed by? Who have you talked to that could be delivered right now and sitting right next to you? Every seat matters. Not for the sake of numbers, but the sake of the numbers in heaven. This world belongs to us, so we have to act like it. It matters. Nothing would have happened to Sodom and Gomorrah if there was at least 10 people. But be, do you know what happened because Abraham prayed? It couldn't happen as long as Abraham's people were there. So God sent angels to get Lot and his family out. Now, Lot was righteous. The New Testament says Lot was righteous, so Lot did live before God. But it said nothing about his family. His wife was salty. Some of you will get that later. His daughters, you don't see much about them till later, but they were there. But his sons-in-law did not believe what Lot said. So his daughters were married, right? You see that? Follow my train of thought. But the daughters were still virgins. Fill in it how you may. So there's a lot going on in the house of Lot. But they were all been saved because Lot's uncle prayed. They all would have been rescued because Abraham prayed. Now, you can read how the family line goes, and you can see, ooh, jacked up, messed up. Lord, have mercy. So you notice it wasn't even by because they did what was right that would have gotten them rescued. It was because somebody prayed. And God was willing to keep working with them because somebody prayed for them. You know, you read through the prophets and God says, I was looking for an intercessor. I was looking for someone to stand in the gap. I was looking, he says, I do not rejoice in the death of the wicked. I do not take pleasure in the death of the ungodly. I look for somebody to stand in the gap. I look for someone to pray. I look for someone to intercede and I found none. The eyes of the Lord are working to and fro looking for people to pray for the lost. If we want an awakening, we have to pray. 
And it's not always going to be done by the old ways we've done things. It's by going with the Holy Ghost. What is he telling us to do today? It's great what we did in 1993. It's great what we did in 2000. It's great what we did in 2010. It's great what we did in 2015. But it's a new day. But the same Holy Ghost. So we can still get before and find out what should we do today. How can we make a difference today? And what if that difference makes us uncomfortable? What if we have to talk to people we don't want to talk to? What if we get less sleep? What if there's something extra? What if we got to serve more? What if there's something extra added to our job description? What if we have to do all these things? Is there not a cause? Is there not a vision? Is there not somebody going to hell? Is there not somebody trapped in darkness? Do we, are we a country club or do we have a vision? Are we anointed or are we just waiting for Jesus to rescue us from this earth? Do we have authority? Does this planet belong to us or are we just waiting for the sweet by and by? We have to be about our Father's business because the time is short. So you don't have time to get caught up in the petty stuff. You don't get time to get caught up in who's petty on Twitter today, whether they be politicians or not. You can't get caught up in that. You have a vision. You have a mission. Yes, enjoy entertainment, but don't get caught up in it. Yes, enjoy the things of this world, but don't get caught up in it. I'm going to let First Lady share about this, probably not Sunday, but sometime as she's praying it out. She had a dream from heaven recently, and the Lord showed her a number of things. She was talking to me about it the other day, and she began to talk about there were certain things in the dream, and she saw something that was bright, and it was shiny, so it got her attention. If you walk in this area, something was bright and shiny, it would get your attention too. But when she looked closer, it wasn't anything valuable. It wasn't a jewel. It was this little demon who had put shiny stuff on it to distract the believers. And what he was was deceitfulness of riches and lust of other things. But he was sent to be a distraction, to distract from what was coming. So the church couldn't stop what was coming because they were distracted by the shiny demon. And she watched in this dream from her watchtower as a watcher, she saw this coming and she saw the people she warned, the light stayed on. But for those who wouldn't listen and were distracted, their villages were covered in darkness. I'll let her share about it and preach on it when the Holy Ghost gives the rest to her. But are there things we're missing because we're distracted? One of the things she began to tell me, she told me about this dream and said, remember John 10, 10, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That word steal paints the picture of him as a pit pocket. He's not someone who breaks in and by force steals from you. He does it through the art of distraction. The art of the pickpocket is to distract you and steal from you without you knowing. Satan is a pickpocket. And if you're always in offense, if you're always distracted, I guarantee you Satan is stealing something from you. Go to Genesis 24. bring this thing to a close. You know, it's Wednesday night. Y'all got to get home. Genesis 24. Verse 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in what? All things. You stick with the process of God, you end up here too. Blessed in all things. With long life will he satisfy you. But there was something that wasn't complete yet. Isaac did not have a wife. And so, he, this is something, obviously, Abraham's believing for God. And so, he tells the chief of staff, his chief of staff, here's how I want you to go find a wife for my son. But was well, something very interesting. Verse 7, the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, and from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, unto your seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before you. So, one, angels are involved with connecting people. But two, notice Abraham's confidence in the ministry of angels. He just said, God will send his angel. You need to be confident in the ministry of angels. If you're a believer, you have at least one. Now, they're not these little naked babies with wings sitting on clouds with harps. That's not a biblical picture of an angel. 
there are different classes of angels, different types of angels. Some look like humans, some don't. Some are called beasts because they got four faces and there's a whole lot of different things that go on. But those are the ones who protect the glory and a part of worship. But there are some angels, some have wings. They all don't have wings. But everyone has at least one angel with them all the time. I don't have at least two with me all the time. Some people got more than that. Well, how many angels do I need? Whatever your assignment needs. So we all have angels assigned to us. There are tons of angels in this room. And there are probably some demons too, so get out. There's also an angel assigned to this church. Someone was talking to me recently about something he saw in prayer the Lord told him about. It was a warring angel. Yeah, I know. And he said, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't play games. He handles business. Said, yeah, I believe it. And so that's why it's important what church you go to. Because not every church God starts. And if God didn't start the church and they don't have an angelic protection, then it's another message. So you have to have confidence in the ministry of angels. It says they hearken to the voice of his word. So if you put his word in your mouth, going back to your mouth again, they will listen to you. And so you have to stop being worried about everything because even Psalm 91 says one of the jobs of angels is to keep plagues away from you. One of the jobs of your angels is to keep the coronavirus away from you. It's supposed to keep the flu away from you too, but if you always said, oh, I always get the flu every time this year, the angel said, okay, cool. Have the flu. You say you wanted it. Not you all day long. All right, I'll be right here. and Let me know when you need me again. All right, need a tissue? All right, okay. Have confidence in the ministry of angels. Because to do what we're called to do, we need the ministry of angels. Now, you're not guaranteed a place in the scripture that says God will show you your angel. So don't pray, God, show me my angel. I just want to see my angel once. No, don't pray prayers that are not based on the word of God and get you tripped up into believing for manifestations that are not promised you because Satan will entertain you. But it's a belief that they work. And they do what you've spoken and what the word of God says. Because one of the things that will become more and more common, especially near the return of the Lord, is there will be an increase in the ministry of angels. So you may or may not see them. So don't be shy. Oh, I saw my angel. Cool. Because when you look at the birth of the church, angelic activity was so common that it made more sense from the say Rhoda saw Peter's angel than for Peter to be outside. That's how common it was. That it was common for people to see Jesus. Jesus would appear. He in heaven, but he appeared to people, talking to people, not just the preachers. So visions and dreams are part of the life of the believer. Now, of course, you take every vision and dream and line it up with the word of God and make sure it's from God because Satan sends stuff to you and sends those pizza. So you make sure you get it from the Holy Ghost. But, you know, my wife was talking about this week and someone else was talking about certain dreams and visions they've been having recently. And I had to remind them about some things I'd shared right before the new year. And I talked about the first year, the word of the Lord that came through the prophet, Brother Copeland, that this would be a year of dreams and visions. According to Acts chapter 2, there would be an increase of believers in the body of Christ having visions and dreams. Now, you have to understand, visions, there's different levels to visions. There's an inner vision or a spiritual vision that you probably close your eyes for a quick second and you see something. That's an inner vision. It's still a vision. He may show you something to do. Then there's another level of vision you see in the book of Acts called a trance, where Peter fell into a trance. And what is a trance? You don't need someone to take you into a trance. You do not go to people that take you into trances because you leave with a couple of demons. But Peter fell into a trance, and what happened? His physical senses were suspended. So a biblical trance, your physical senses are suspended, but your spiritual side is open. But then there's another level of vision called the open vision. And in an open vision, your physical senses are not suspended, but your eyes are open and you see the spirit world. That's the highest level of vision. Now, there are different types of dreams. Well, God may give you an allegory or a story in a dream. And one he just reminded me of, I had years ago. Wow, how long was that ago? Was that 12 years ago? It was right about the time where the markets began to crash. So it had to be around 2008 or in 2009. And I saw this city it was golden it looked beautiful every building looked like it was made of gold but 
in the vision, I got transported, or the dream, and I was stood on top of the building. For whatever reason, I stomped my foot, and I realized it wasn't gold, it was gilded. Because not everything that's shiny is actually gold. So it was gold-plated. And as I was on it, I started looking at these buildings at different names and their different financial institutions. And then I saw the ocean began to roar. The waves of the sea began to increase. And it began to flood the city. And these buildings began to topple. The people of the city, because there were people who lived in the Gilded City, they were panicking. They were full of fear. They were full of terror. They were running for their lives as these financial institutions toppled. But then I saw another sight. There were people walking on the water, unbothered by the destruction below. And then there were others, get this, in speedboats, having this good old time, just cruising on top of the water, unbothered by what was going below. And the best part, there was a cruise ship. People are partying and enjoying life like nothing's going on below. And I saw the levels of dominion the church was supposed to walk in. That it doesn't matter what goes on on the earth because we're not supposed to live from the earth. See, the thing is we live out of heaven and heaven never has a bad economy. Heaven never has a recession or a depression. We live off of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God never has a shutdown. And then that, yes, there are things kondamastol, and there are things going to Jistaba. And it's going to be avrustika nageta, and a onse inso os, and a onse isi oso ohosh to kopaha. But it's going to be haha yes to oramamba. But yes, there are things coming upon the earth, things that will bring terror and fear in the eyes of men. Things, as I said in my holy scriptures, will cause their hearts to fail them for fear. But that won't be the case for my church that walks with me, that walks by faith, walks in love. Everything shall be all right. And it will be a time of great joy because they'll see my deliverance. They'll see me manifest like I've always promised I would. They'll see me rescue them. They'll see me deliver them. And they'll see me set them on high because they have known my name. So don't be afraid of the news reports. Don't be afraid of what you see that comes upon this earth. You just keep walking with me. And it'll be like those who walked on the water, those who are on the speedboats, and those who are on the cruise my servant told you about. Don't be afraid. Don't look to the left or to the right. Look to me. I got your back, says the Lord Almighty. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that it empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.